You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. A franchise first. Break out the Stanley Cup for the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's talk about why right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. No, I'm obviously kidding. They're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. It's 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. The Flyers just completed their very first post-holiday West Coast road trip sweep. Scott, 3-0 on the road trip. They're coming back home to face Arizona tomorrow night, Thursday, if you're listening after that. Uh, Break out the champagne, boys. You just did a first. It's something worth celebrating, isn't it? I mean, seriously, a three-game win streak is actually pretty nice to see out of this team right now, especially with their backup, their goaltending situation. It's actually really nice to see it. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it came down to. Erson Erson, uh, played really well. Uh, for the most part, I mean, g- clearly getting the nod from from Torts, uh, causing um, not a controversy, but clearly just like where the pendulum swung in terms of Torts's thinking and what he who he wants backing up Carter Hart, who was obviously, uh, if you missed the sto- news, he was uh, activated from IR uh, earlier today, um, so he'll be back. I I don't I imagine he'll be. We'll probably won't know until game time on Thursday against Arizona, but. I imagine he'll play. Um, but yeah, like this is this is a tough situation for someone in my perspective because yeah, it's cool that they won, but then at the same time, if you aren't following hockey as in depth, uh, the world juniors are going on and it's like the basic big highlight show for all the draft the upcoming draftees, Cutter Gautier, obviously, uh the Flyers draft pick last year. It's basically a highlight show. Not a highlight show, but it's a, a spectacle for these guys to really start showing off their skill. And I'll start with the good news for their draft pick with Cutter Gautier. My God, like this kid, if he continues to go how he goes, um, I don't know how, I don't think Boston College is playing that well in terms of the average year that they have uh, over the course of an NCAA season. I think they're just under or just barely above 500. Um, Soon as BC's college season is over, you got to give him an ELC because you just you got to know what he has at the professional level and get him in here, get him in the building, and go from there. Get him his fifteen games, ten games, whatever the number is, and then at the same time, hope you lost enough games because Connor Bedard is is just absurd. I mean, this is this is lining up to be something potentially pretty special for the Flyers if everything goes right. Uh, it's just a matter of who's going to run the ship here because it shouldn't be uh, Chuck Fletcher. That's for sure. Well, we don't know what's going to happen with that still, but I mean, look, let, let's, let's take a look at, uh, let's take a look at the world juniors for a second here. Okay. So the top scorer is, is Connor Bedard. Okay. I'm not going to mention any points here today. Okay. Logan Cooley is the second highest scorer. He was uh, picked by um, uh, third overall by the coyotes last year. He was Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh native. 
So he's got 11 points in five games, five goals, six assists. What do you think Connor Bedard has? So I think it's going to be something absurd, like 18 points for Bedard. Higher, Bill. Really? Oh, my God. 21 points. That makes the stat I saw even more (laughs) absurd because he's contributed to 65% of the total goals or uh, of the goals scored, whether by a goal himself or assisting in the goal for all of Canada in this tournament. 65% of that. That's crazy. Okay, the second second highest scoring uh, forward is Logan Stankoven for Canada. He's got nine points. Two goals and seven assists. I mean, that's that's craziness. I mean, you're, you're talking generational talent numbers when you, when you look at that. But yeah, normally listen. there's always those bloated numbers in the juniors. It's just kind of how it goes. Like there's the there's 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 that 17, 18 year old kid that that just is far and away better than everyone. Um, but not like this. This is this is silly. That that's absurd. That's that's big David level going. Oh wow, this is you gotta you gotta do anything you can. Uh, to win this or to get this kid. And what sucks is the Flyers just won three in a row looking at four on Thursday night against Arizona, who's not that good of a team. And he won against them yeah, uh, while you were over there. Uh, and it's like, I want Connor Bedard, but I also really, really enjoy seeing the Flyers actually win a game because it's just, it's just the nature of being a fan. That's what well, sucks. Let's, let's go back. Let's, we'll touch on Kota Gochi a little more later on because he's actually in the top 10 of scoring. He's got, he's got uh, eight points in five games, two goals, six assists, which is, which is pretty solid. Okay. Let's look at the flyers for a second. Let's go back and, and look at the wins that they had this week. They're three of the most impressive wins I've seen probably in the last two years with this team. Honestly, I mean, they're down by two against uh, San Jose. They come back, they tie it with two minutes left, and then win it in overtime, which you never thought they'd do this season. Or basically a two a three on oh, they they win it by, which is really impressive. But I really liked what they the game they played against Los Angeles. Because let's not forget Los Angeles is a good team. They're second in their division. Okay. They have they have a minus five goal differential, which means they don't score a lot, but they're not giving up a lot of goals either. And, you know, like they're keeping it tight. They've they've given up one forty, score one thirty five. So they they play it kind of tight. But also at the same time, they're second in their division. They've got 50 points in 41 games. But I really like that in that game is that go back and watch the goals they scored. They labeled where they beat John Quick. That to me, when I was looking at the when I was watching that game, I'm like, man, they keep picking high glove on Jonathan Quick. Like they just I especially the game winner. It was um the game winner where it was just a shot from the point and just snuck its way through. I think it was by uh it was by Noah Cates. Um it, it just he never saw it. And I look at that and I'm like, man, that's just, you know, you, A, you got to put it to the net. You're playing a simple game. But B, that's actually solid coaching. Hey, look, when you have a chance shoot on this guy right here, you're going to score on him. And it's true because John Quick, he, you know, we see John Quick. We remember John Quick of, of days old when, you know, sprawling left and right doing everything. But, you know, he's still human. He can still be beat. But the fact that they went through him three times and they scored the same way, I was really impressed by that. And then the game against Anaheim, just a complete overall solid game. And if you watch the way the Flyers defended in that game, because Anaheim's power play doesn't do much, but their puck movement is really, really good. They were doing really well at boxing out, either letting Urson see shots or blocking them before they got through. Three of the better games I've seen this team play in a matter of two seasons. That's without top centers. 
That's that younger guys. And this is, I, I, I like seeing that that's progress. That's what you want to see. That's exactly. Yeah. What I mean, we talked about it even during the AV season or AV years, like Christmas is the, the benchmark of what you're kind of going to get out of this team. And with a better coach, because I think it's fair that John Torrell is a better overall coach than than AV, obviously. So when you get to the point where you have a competent coach in the building that has the attention in the locker room, despite uh, the people that he places in the doghouse or does not look uh, favorably upon, uh, Kevin Hayes, the like, the uh, D'Angelo of late, that kind of thing. There's a great article out by um, COC, Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic, who basically went through a player-by-player breakdown of who is in the favor of torts at this point in the season and who is still trying to gain his trust. Because the preeminent thing is, well, or the the notion I feel like that's out there is, well, the Kevin Hayes and and Torts relationship isn't there, so it's never going to be fixed. And, like, that's not reality. Like, that – it is something that can easily be fixed over the span of January, can be fixed over the span of February. It's fixable, but it takes two to tango, as we always say when we talk about trades. It takes two to tango for a coach and a player to have a relationship. So to see the success that we saw on the West Coast trip, again, similar, like like you said, against L.A., Anaheim, not a great team. You still won. Arizona, not a great team. Whatever. But it's still – it's still – it creates this dynamic of do Flyers fans actually care? What I mean by that is like, does the transition of them winning those games on the West Coast translate over here when they get back? And that's – I don't think it does because I still think the relationship between players and coaches and – or excuse me, between the front office and and the fan base is completely shattered right now. It takes – winning to do that and i and that's where it's kind of like a catch-22 you're winning but you're winning under the leadership uh or the under the mantra i don't know how to phrase this because i think people are bought in for the most part against torts but they clearly don't trust dave scott and, and and fletcher so it's one of those things where yay we're excited but it means nothing because you're actually now getting farther away from the the prize that you really want and that's Connor bedard so at the end of it, I don't think Flyers fans care. Like, I, I'm excited that they're winning. I'm happy that they're winning um, for a moment or two. But then I'm back to, yeah, but I'm now I'm watching Connor Bedard in the in the World Juniors just tear it up, score 22 points or 21 points, whatever it is. And you're like, you got to get this kid on your roster somehow. And that's the dynamic that you do. And that's what you kind of signed up for when you, when you signed Torts. Because he's a good coach. And when you're a bad team with good coaching, your flaws are hidden a little bit better. Yeah. No, I agree. And listen, let's be honest here. There's still only 11 points out of a playoff spot. Oh, shut the hell up. I I knew at some point that that was going to be brought up. Someone Uh was going to do that. Uh I was hoping it would be Chuck Fletcher because I could hate him. But it had to be you. So I have to hate you now. That's fine. That's fine. I had no problem with that. (laughs) Listen, there... I I get it. And for people who are like into it, like we are, like it's very nice to see that they win games. And it's like, oh yeah, this is actually fun. This is what enjoyable hockey is like again when you see a team beating them. And you know, for me, it's 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 seeing the way they've scored recently and the re- the way they play, the way they've generated some chances. Like TK's playing out of his mind right now. And again, the fact that they're not doing it without any depth down the middle, and they're developing centermen like uh, they're developing Noah Cates and that. Hayes, I know he's played the wing recently, but when they need to, they'll put him in the center. Scott Lawton is really taking a charge as a leader of this team. You know, 
I'm not going to sit here and say, no, they don't need a guy like Connor Bedard. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> You're whatsoever. not that crazy. No, I'm not crazy <laughs> at all. That would be an amazing thing. But I'm really excited to see when, like, this is this is the whole this is the whole thing Torch has been talking about all season is building this foundation. Yes, it's fun to see them win games. It is. But at the same time, you're not going to expect this team to just kind of say, oh, yeah, well, if they're going to. I'll tell you what. I'll be honest with you. If this team is going to make a push, they're going to make a push. You're not going to say, hey, we've won three in a row now. Why don't we take a step back to make sure we don't win anymore to try to get you know, the Bernard sweeps? That's, that's not going to reverberate at all. These guys are going to go out and try to win. Now, is their talent going to hold them back? Yes. But at the same time, Here's the part that gets concerning if you're looking at it from a perspective of just trying to get Connor Bedard. If Sean Couturier gets healthy and he comes back, you're plugging in a guy in the middle. Now, granted, he hasn't played in almost two years, so, I mean, it's going to be not like, hey, Sean Couturier's back, he's right off the back, but he's been skating recently. Yeah, yeah. If Carter Hart keeps up his play, and we'll get into it in a minute, the other goaltending situation, you know, there's a possibility this team could could put together a, a bit of a streak here, meaning, like, they're not going to go off and win 10 in a row, but they might win, like, you know, five out of 10 games, six out of 10 games. You know what I mean? And then, and that's going to push them up the standings a little bit more for some of these teams that are falling off and which could wind up hurting them a little bit of trying to go get Bedard. But at the same time too, it might not be sustainable for them because they did play teams that were below them in the standings technically in, in, uh, in San Jose and, and Anaheim. But Los Angeles is something because they played a very solid game against LA and they and they and they and they did a they 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 played very well against them overall. Like I can't speak besides the way they were scoring on John Quick, I can't give you a specific reason of why. But just watching their structure as a whole, and you know that that's something to keep an eye on. And the fact that they're changing up the lines a little bit too on, on the defensive side of it, like you have like um you had um Ristolainen and Provorov, and you had uh you know that watching that pairing a little bit that that's working a little bit that, that is working somewhat. You know, the Tony D. You had some really early success up. with that a couple years ago too. Last year too, uh, for the most part. I, I, I don't know what this is in terms of that pairing. Just real quick, like I, I can't tell if it's like I, like I said, there's that article by Coc where he breaks down which player is in good graces, and D'Angelo's starting to come out of favor. I mean, again, it is very fixable. It's something that you can do. But he's right because there are some interesting quotes recently from Torts about D'Angelo. So is the pairing between Torts, or excuse me, D'Angelo and and Provi being dismantled because strictly the coach isn't a fan of it? Or is there something deeper along there that he's just trying to shake things up and do it? And there's right answers to both. I don't think there's one correct answer. So... But it certainly has to be taken into account because Torts is so hard on these guys. He is notoriously no, notoriously known to be tough on his players, young, old, indifferent. He does not care. He wants to just make them the best hockey player possible. So when you're not playing up to snuff like he expects you to, Kevin Hayes, this is what happens. You get scratched. You get moved around. The lineup shake around. Um, so you just kind of got to falter with it as it goes that's really what it comes down to right and like that breakdown we mentioned last week on on uh what's it called on uh from from nhl tonight they mentioned that you know like he's not hayes wasn't finishing his checks or he wasn't making the right reads out of the zone or making the smart plays it's little tiny things in the game that you might not notice if you're not really paying attention and hell there were even some things that i watched and that i was like oh man i didn't even pick up on that so you noticed that there was little things tiny in, in the game to watch for but i think part of this too is that this team is at a point 
where they're not going to marry to specific pairs and specific line combinations. They're trying to find out a formula that works. And by switching things up and putting Provorov with Ristolainen again, you got to kind of figure out, okay, who's the problem on this pairing? Is it Ristolainen or is there another guy? Was it Sanheim? Now they take off TDA away, away from Provorov. Okay, was TDA the problem or was it Provorov? And they're trying to say, okay, figure out what meshes together. He's not going to marry a pair together like, you know, Eric Desjardins and Chris Terrian. They're not, he's not going to do that right now. But the point is to find out which players can play with each other because if down the line, when you do figure out what works and doesn't work, if someone gets injured, you know which to go up against if you're up against a stiff opponent. So really, a lot of this mix and match in the way I view it, it's about finding a combinations that work and are going to play together well, and that's the important thing that people see. And this is all part of this retooling is that figuring, okay, we need them played a certain way. We also got to figure out what works together, works on the ice, and develop that chemistry. Chemistry doesn't happen by just three guys stepping on the ice and all of a sudden, hey, look, let's go make a flying V. It doesn't happen like that. Right. It, it this isn't happen. court in Bombay. Correct. Exactly. It's not like the Legion of Doom, like, you know, like where instance you had a, a generational talent in Eric Lindros, an, an, an underrated talent in John LeClaire at the time, and then a young speedster coming in who would throw his body into the wall, you know, just to make a play in Michael Renberg. And that, after a while, that, that really clicked because of the way they, they pressured defensemen. The point I'm trying to make is that is that it, this doesn't happen just right away. It, it takes time, and you have to develop some of this stuff. It's not just some of these things where you just say, hey, this guy works with this guy. Great. It's working great. It takes time to build that chemistry. I think that's what they're trying to figure out here. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the interesting news story with Carter Hart, hockey fans, this episode is brought to you by, as always, DraftKings Sportsbook and the Hockey Podcast Network. DraftKings Sportsbook, it is an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You can join in on the fun. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Join in on the fun. Uh, you got Arizona coming up for the Flyers, Toronto on Sunday. Plenty, plenty of action to be claimed with the Philadelphia Flyers. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for all of those fun details. Carter Hart. Carter Hart is back, Scott, uh, after clearing concussion protocol, uh, which is a good thing that your best player on the team is back. Uh, so obviously you're never going to be upset about that. But there's an interesting conundrum to be faced here with the Philadelphia Flyers and their backup goalie. Um, obviously, Erson, Erson is the guy right now. He played very well on the West Coast. Uh, Sandstrom has not played, I believe, since Colorado. Yeah, so that creates an interesting caveat for how the Flyers have to handle the situation. Um, because apparently, and this is according to Anthony Sanfilippo of Crossing Broad, since Sandstrom has played in only one game in the last five weeks, they could send him to the fly. Uh, I'm quoting here from the article. They could send him to the Phantoms for a conditioning assignment. However, Sandstrom has to agree to that conditioning assignment. Basically, it's a way for them to go around the... Uh, waiver wire, which Sandstrom would have to go through. So uh, any team could pick him up because of Sandstrom's ability to say, no, I don't want to do this. 
it's an interesting conundrum for sure. Uh, you can't force him to take a conditioning assignment if he, if he doesn't want to. And then you're kind of forcing your hand to send him down through the waiver wire. It's a, it's a really tough situation that, um, cause goal, both goalies have a pr- show promise. Uh, and basically it's just a way for the flyers to be able to look at Urson a little bit longer without risk of losing Sandstrom. Well, here's the thing with Sandstrom and I'm, I'm pulling up a calculation right now, which is what's today's day. Today is the fourth. So Felix Sandstrom has played, uh, let's see, uh, one game. <laughs> he started one game in the last. I wish I could go faster on this. Sorry, Bill. I'm going to do some editing here. <laughs> He's played one uh, game. Oh, jeez, I can't even do this. Actually, that's not correct. I'll do this. He hasn't played much. So he's played one game. I was trying. I was trying. That's a that's a big problem. That's a major, major problem. Because that tells me that if if you didn't think you had confidence in Sandstrom, you have, yeah, granted, he did get sick during that time and he couldn't play. You you wouldn't have stuck with Urson. You know what I mean? Like you you would not have done so. So I look at this and saying, okay, even if he doesn't agree to it. I think the Flyers would be okay. And that's no disrespect to Felix Sandstrom. I mean, look, the guy's in a tough situation. You know what I mean? They signed him. You know, he's he was a bit, a bit of project. He was he in the same in. draft as Hart, wasn't he? Didn't they take? I think he was, if I'm not mistaken. Him and no, Hart I think he's was... no, I think he's a little bit older. Uh, oh, really? Double check that. Yeah, okay. let me see. I'll, I'll double check it. He was taken. Let's see, third round, the 2015 draft. So Carter Hart was in the. 2016, sure. so a year pr- a year yeah, after. I was, say, I was say 2016 is a year different. So the 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 issue that I have with this is that you can't develop a goaltender by sitting them on the bench. You can by getting practicing and stuff. But I've been I I haven't had an issue with the way Sandstrom has played. It's just my big knock on Sandstrom has just been he has been able to make a save to keep his team in it. And that's the thing is like there's a there's always every game you may not notice it, a save or two. That keeps the puck out that your goalie makes that helps you that determines a win or loss in a game in most of the time, like a goal or two that you should have should have had back, and, and and sometimes they're really difficult saves, sometimes they're just routine saves and just you you misread it, but there's always that one tough save or two that I just haven't seen Sanchez pick up but pick up yet at, at this level. Now I really love his anticipation. I really think he reads the play very well. It's just a matter of, and there's been a couple of saves where I'm like, man, that was a really solid save. He had a couple against those that uh, that Dallas game where they got blown out in. He actually played really well in that. I'm not saying that he's been playing poorly. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's done enough to really help the team win a game. Now, with Urson, the sample's still out on him. So, with Urson starting these past three games, I decided to go back and I started to watch a little bit more on him and a little bit of his tape. So, I watched his tape from Carolina. When I noticed the Carolinas, they were shooting from afar. So in Carolina and all the goals I've seen so far have really been from afar for the most part, except the one I think against, um, I think it was San Jose where it went underneath his arm and in close, but Sam Erson is one of the better goaltenders I've seen in close. And I love what he does with his hands. You know what he does, Bill? He doesn't move them. And he reminds me of my boy. Who's my boy? The guy behind you. No, no, not John Van Beesbrook. No, who's my who's my boy? Martin Jones. Man. Oh, Martin my boy, Jones. Martin yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah. I watched him like that's Martin Jones out there again. No, and, and I, honestly, because I see similar styles between it, because 
he's very you can tell that he's very strong in his core so because the way he moves down low laterally left and right he moves in he stays compact his legs move his arms stay stationary he's very very good in tight which is very good a very solid thing the thing is though is that any kind of goaltender coming over from europe the one thing they forget that they, 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 they take a while to develop on is fighting through the screens because they don't, the rinks are wider over in, in Europe and you play internationally. So they don't have as much traffic in front as you do over here. Not saying there isn't, but the screens aren't as prevalent. So what happens is that a goaltender doesn't fight through the screens as well. So the first game against Carolina, he was getting beat through screens. He was getting beat through things where he wasn't picking up the puck. The other games I've saw against them, there were some great A chances right in front, and he's standing tall. And I, I was really, really impressed by that because I'm like, you know what? This is a team where if you're going to give Carter Hart a break, you need someone behind him to push him a little bit. You need someone to come Look, Carter Hart's been the best player on this team all season long. We've talked about that in numerous episodes. He's the most important cog on the wheel going forward. Sam Merce is a guy who could push him. Because this can turn into a situation, if you recall, and I know I make the comparison to Carey Price and Carter Hart a lot, but I, I I hope people can remember this. Remember, Carey Price played against the Flyers in the playoffs in 07-08. And then 2009-2010, when the Flyers went to the conference final, it was Yaroslav Halak in goal. Because Halak had pushed Price enough to a point where Halak supplanted the starter's role, and they wound up trading him. Um, and they wound up trading Halak and got the value out of him, and then Carey Price started taking off after that. And the reason why is because it kept pushing Carey Price to get better and better and better and better. And now you have a goaltender in here where you can save money on the cap by not having to get a veteran going forward and have a player here who's young enough to say, hey, look, Carter, <coughs> excuse me, you're the guy, you're the face of the franchise, you're the future of the cog in the wheel. We got a guy back here who's going to be chomping for your job and he's going to try to take starts from you. And that's the best thing you can do for a goaltender. You're really trying to push into that elite phase. So I think it's very positive. Iron sharpens iron every t- single time. And if you have two solid, one good on the cusp of great elite in Carter Hart and one prospect, uh, high-value blue-chip prospect in Urson, then, yeah, I, you go, you try and do that 100 at 100 times because you're saving money. You're not having to spend it on a guy like Martin Jones, who is your boy and was, was, was a very solid backup last year for the Flyers. So... Uh, for the most part, actually, but there is obviously contingencies to why he didn't have the numbers that that Correct. they showed. So, Correct. yeah, I, I I think it also I cheering for a guy with a below nine hundred save percentage. Just saying, that's that's yeah. that's the that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> but let me make a point about Sam Erson real quick, though. And this is the important thing that you know. Pretty soon, and and enough, the Flyers are going to need some ammunition to really go out. If they can't land a guy like Connor Bedard, yeah, you're going to have to go out there and you're going to dangle some bait. So and dangling a bait and having a pro-ready goaltender at 23 years old, now granted, we're only talking about four games right here. I understand that, okay? I'm not saying that this guy's the next coming of, you know, Bernie Perron or anything. But if this guy could be a solid starter in the National Hockey League, teams will really throw some compensation for that. And it depends on whether you're going to get a buyer. Especially when you have a guy, again, we still don't know what the status of, of Chuck Fletcher's future is here. I don't want him manning the uh, trade deadline. Uh, for this year or for any season after that like I want him out like that I've made that very clear I think the entire fan base majority of the fan base I should say wants him out um so if you have that you can recoup some of those lost picks that you lost that you got that he gave away in these 
controversial, unorthodox, whatever you want to call them, moves for the guys like Risto for whatever. Like these things need to be recouped because, like you said, yes, if you don't get Bedard, you'll still get a good depth player uh, or a really good, really good player because this is a very deep draft uh, according to scouts. So, but it's not going to be the one to, it's going to, it, it might not be the fix all of to get you back in the playoff contention next year, despite what you think. So, and then I don't think they have a 2024 pick. No, well, obviously they have a, no, yeah, it's 2023. What am I saying? 2024. They got it from the, the uh, in the, uh, it's a trade. They got 2024. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. They got, so they recouped that back, but so you just have to, they gave up quite a few picks for Risto to get rid of other players because of the contract hell. So yeah, I totally agree with you. If you realize that Urson is able to be dangled out there, if you don't land Bedard and even, even you just try and find ways to use other players. I mean, JVR st- could still be uh, usable uh, for a trade deadline trade pick at the, with his expiring contract at the end of this season. Now, obviously with, with, with Urson, it would be something probably in the in the post or in the off season, but oh yeah, and, yeah. It, and again, part of the decision too is not just the fact that it, it really depends on where they're at. Because here's why, you know, obviously Samson's not going to get you anything if they're willing. To, if he if he doesn't agree to this, I bet you ten to one they put him on on waivers and send him down. I, I bet you ten to one. That's yeah, and they just take the happen. risk and hope that and, and team yeah, keep Urson and keep Urson hard as a tandem because if Urson continues to play, as play well, not only will it push hard, it'll make him better. And then you get it for value down the line when he's about to like sign somewhere else or when he runs into close to free agency. That that's that's one way to look at it. But still, overall, is that the, the only thing this team is doing right now by winning games is showcasing some of their younger talent. Because if, if it comes where there's a blockbuster hockey trade that becomes available to the Flyers and they have to part some ways for like a superstar, I'm not saying who or what or whatever. I'm just making the point is that at least, you know, now, like, you know, they've got some pieces there that are working. You're not going to trade guys like Cutter Gauthier. You're not going to trade, um, oh, his name just flew out of my head. It's that guy that, uh, that, that winger that they drafted two years ago in 2020, uh, got hurt. I forget his name. We talked to Sam Carcitti about him. I oh, can't um, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. Anywho. Anyway, you know what I'm talking. You get my point. You get my point. So there is a couple of, there's a couple of guys out there where they can, kind of package a deal together and do that if they need to, if they feel like they're close enough. Are they? Tyson Forrester. Thank you. Tyson. I was going to bother you. Yeah, that's okay. No problem. Tyson Forrester is correct. You're not going to trade guys like that, but I tell you what, I tell you what, you know, if, if they can't, if they can't trade someone like Kevin Hayes and they have to keep him on the roster, you know, Flyers went through this with RJ Umberger. You know what I mean? They had to trade RJ Umberger because they couldn't resign him. And, you know, that's, and that comes to cap casualty. I know it's a different league nowadays, but, you know, there are going to be some teams going to be vying for services and, and doing that. So I think that having this thing with Sam Ursa, I know I digress completely, but I think having this shows that the Flyers do have some talent in their system and they have, can pick the order about which they want to keep these guys. But let's say, for instance, let's say next season, that Ivan Fedotov all of a sudden is available again, and that's the option they want to go back to it. You know what I mean? Maybe he's a release from his military duty or this season or next season. That's the Flyers option the Flyers will go back to. Boom, now you can dangle Sam Burson as trade bait. Yeah, it's a it's a great point because it's a I, great problem I, to have right now. It is a, it, it's one of the rare moments where like listen, and this sounds like a, a a moment where we're like, holy crap, the Flyers are not in that bad of a predicament. But I think we're also it goes back to my point that 
this isn't an excite. You shouldn't be that excited about this this winning streak because there's one good win on the books because you beat L.A. But Anaheim's not good. Like, it, it, yeah, but I think they were they were dom- they were all dumb. They were all they were all good wins. Like, especially when against San Jose coming back, that's a huge win. You were down two goals with five minutes left. We've said it before. Like, they're not. Um, they're not a bad team in the sense that they're just going to get destroyed seven to two, seven one, night in and night out. Like it, like as soon as they gave up the tying goal, like they did last year. Once they went up two one, three one, whatever it was last season, they all of a sudden gave up that second goal. They were only down by one, and the the wheels fell off. They're going to fight hard because of the coach that they have at the helm. Like Tortorella is not letting that happen. So they're a fun team to watch because they're going to go down two nothing, like they did. Then they're going to battle back and win the game. So that's why it's fun, but it's not hopeful this year. Like, I don't know how to, it doesn't make sense because it's sports uh, and it's a predicament that the Flyers have put themselves in, but it's fun to watch, but it's not fun to see them like fully win. I don't know how else to describe it. Like it's like, like the, because you know, what's out there, Like you know, Connor Bedard's out there, you know, a deep draft is out there. So you want to be like, Hey, focus on focus on the the shiny object right now, and that's Connor Batard. It's not like watching Boston, who is ridiculous twenty nine four and four. Like it's speaking not fun of which, that. quick tidbit: Did you watch the Winter Classic? Did I watch the Winter Classic? Did you know that the Winter Classic was happening this season, this year? I never forgot about the Winter Classic. To be honest yeah. with you, I'm not gonna lie to you. As terrible I, as that sounds. I kind of forgot about the Winter Classic. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I think it's certainly lost its luster from its time thirteen years ago, twelve years ago, whenever it first started in Buffalo. Um, and if your team's not, it's, it's terrible it's, of me to say that. But it's no, I fan. think it, I think it's a great point because I think it's become localized. I think because of the NHL's natural bias for East Coast teams, Northeast Coast, Northeast teams specifically, Pittsburgh, Boston. Philly, New York, Washington, like they'll throw a bone to Minnesota and St. Louis every once in a while, but the bias is in the Northeast and that's become made it localized. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, that's still, I mean, it's probably part of the thing, part of what's going on with it is because it's cold up there. I think the Randy Charles had its fair share of embarrassments of trying to play hockey in Southern California in the beginning of January where it's like 75, 80 degrees. Like I just, the atmosphere is the big thing about the winter classic. And I think the NHL has gotten away with that for a long time. The coolest thing that they tried to do and it blew up on their face spectacularly was uh, actually involved the flyers. And that was Lake Tahoe a couple years ago. Oh yeah. How brutal was that? That Everybody was terrible. got COVID and it's like, Oh yeah, we're still going to do it anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? So that, Ridiculous. that, that blew up in their face. So that was spectacularly bad. I was just curious what your thought was on that. Um, before we wrap, uh, the thing that caught my attention, did you catch this? Uh, Jason Martinez had torts on uh, and he said the R word, Scott. He said the dreaded R word that we've known was the situation. Any fan has known that there was the situation, but someone has finally said it. And you know what? I'm glad torts said rebuild. If anybody else had said it, I would have had no confidence whatsoever. Because Torts is real with the situation and is the, is the guy that is connecting and facing the fans night in and night out, 
glad he said it. I, I don't I don't think he's faced any repercussions for saying it. I think he's actually been praised. And for someone like me who was not that gun ho on having a guy like Torts behind the bench when you had other options out there before you hired him, fine with it. I I I, I absolutely love it. And again, because I, I'm seeing Connor Bedard light up the World Juniors right now as as let's see, Canada now has a four two has taken the lead uh, against USA in semifinals. So you got to get Connor. You got to get Connor Bedard, man. You got to get him. So Torres is is real with the situation. They're in a rebuild, and I'm glad he said it. Listen, I think we've known. Okay, so I'm I'm going to make this one point, and then we can wrap up. Okay. Everybody gets obsessed with the word rebuild and retool and my God damn it. They're the same friggin' thing. Rebuild and retool. I mean, there's just different ways to go about it. A rebuild can be a rebuild like this where, okay, we have stuff in the organization. We need to suffer with these guys as a fan base, not suffer, but you have to watch them grow. You have to go through the, you have to go through the growing pains with it. Like, and fans have to suffer for it because you have to take this young town. You have to make sure if they can play or not. You can't just hope and you can't be a team like Tampa where you've got guys who all rest around at all and you bring them piece by piece and they develop and they develop and they develop and they get better and better and better. And you build this whole team that's good for like 10 freaking years and it hasn't been bad in a long time. You ha- but Tampa went through years of gluttony before that. It was terrible. Retooling is the same exact thing. They're not doing a complete tear down of the roster like Chicago and say, hey, you know what? We're going to go in full tank mode because it worked for us before in 2006. And we know we're going to be able to land this guy again because really Patrick Kane should have been a flyer and should never score the goddamn game winning goal <laughs> oh, in game no. six of the 2010 final because somehow the NHL got away with doing so. I, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent. Calm down. Take a breath. You're right. You're all right. You're in a safe okay. place. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Anyway, so like I was saying that. The point is that is what they're doing in a rebuild. A rebuild is when you have a 5,000 seat stadium and you have talent (laughs) in your roster, but nobody knows where you are because you're playing hockey in the middle of a fucking desert. Okay. That's one part of it too. Okay. That's where you're rebuilding. Okay. There's also a rebuild in Buffalo that's been going on for the last 10 years because they've had so much snow this winter. They still have been able to dig out from snow for the last three winters. Okay. That's a rebuild. Okay, the Devils, they went through a retooling, okay, a couple years ago because they went out and got guys like P.K. Subban. They got decent talent. It didn't produce, but now they're at the point where that team is actually playing very, very well. Now, another team that's going to have to wind up doing a rebuild, teardown, and all that stuff in the next five years are teams like Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston. All those teams like that, they're going to have to do the ones where they have to do the full, re, re, full teardown and rebuild when they lose their superstars. But retooling, if people obsess over the word rebuilding, retooling, it all means the same goddamn thing. Really, at the end of the day, is that you have to pull back a portion of your roster and you have to let some of the young guys go through the growing pains. And again, the reason why the league is built like this is because it's so goddamn predicated on the draft, which is, which is, I get it. It keeps teams competitive and honest and makes competition down at the lower levels really good. I get it. But the problem is it doesn't make things exciting for the fans. Then you develop these localized niches for decades because think about it. Like Boston has been good for the last, what, decade, 10 years. Oh, yeah. Decade plus. Yeah. I mean, they've really been good since they won the Stanley cup. They've been, they've been, they've been, Tampa has been really good for what I would say 2015, 20, uh, 2014, 2015, uh, when they went to the final. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So closing in on 10 years now. 
When was the last time Florida was really good? Consistently. Yeah, consistently, no. Because they're 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 low this year. They're they were high last year. They've had their ups and downs over the years. Yeah. yeah, with certain talent. Like, yeah, like, okay. When was the last time Carolina was consistently good? Yeah. Oh, it's been to the mid two thousands, correct? Yeah. yeah, when they yeah. when they went in all in, and then they took a dip and they came back up again. The point I'm trying to make is that all these teams had to pull themselves back and they had to go through the draft. They had to do all this stuff again. The, the teams, the flyers, the problem is the, why the flyers fans are not so, so obsessed with the word rebuild. It's because we've never truly gone through it in the last 30 years. We really haven't. I mean, think about it before the last rebuild was after the eighties teams with Mike Keenan. And then they had a down drum in the way to make the playoffs for five straight years, go out and get Lindros and still didn't make the playoffs for two seasons after they got Lindros. So even then, then you went up your trajectory where you're good for a decade, 15 years. And then yeah, that was the start of their streak of playoff appearances. Bingo. So what I'm saying is that the NHL has created this culture of these teams where they have to build the draft because there isn't enough player movement around. So it's all focused in on the draft and getting the young players. The problem is, is that when big, when, when, and this is my complaint about the big markets, when teams like the Rangers, when they went through their slide in the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, for a while there until they were relevant again when they went to the final back in, I want to say 2000, uh, 2014, when they, when they climax there, they, they went deck down after that. So the, the, the whole problem with this rebuild and retool is that there's not enough player movement to offset that anymore. So everybody comes obsessed. Oh, well, you know, now you suck. Now you got to tear everything down. You got to rebuild. No, like it, the league doesn't have to be like that. They can be more fun. If it's like the NBA and players can move around a lot more, if they could do more with their contracts and have fun where you can have a team where they're not good one year, but Hey, guess what? You know, Chris Bosch, LeBron James, and I don't know the other one was Dwayne Wade, I guess. I don't know. They were all there. Let's go to Miami. Let's go win a championship together. Hey, guess what? We did it. We went ahead and we did it. That doesn't happen in hockey. And I think that's why things get so niched with the winter classic because nobody from really like Buffalo is going to be like, I don't really, or Boston's really going, I don't care. You know, Boston knows they're good, but outside of Buffalo or Boston or Pittsburgh and Boston, nobody cares. Nobody really cares anymore because it's not nationalized because there's not enough town. I, I bet you half the people who watch that game just casually don't even know who half the players are on the roster anymore on either or. So that's, that's the whole issue with the rebuild retool thing is that, the league has got itself so con- so focused on the 50-50 split revenue the l- that's caused the lack of player movement, the salary cap being tied to hockey-related revenue. It's all so closely tied together that teams get like scared to move anything. It's like, oh my God, we can't, we can't. We're, we think we're so close. We think we're so close. We're, so clo- we're close to being better this year. We have this young guy. We don't want to give up on him yet. And I get it. But where does that excite the fans? Where does that make the team better? So the whole fact that he said the word retool or rebuild or whatever the hell he said, I really don't care. I really don't because you know it's been going on for a long time because half the goddamn teams in the league are friggin' rebuilding because nobody wants to trade any goddamn players anymore. Yeah. Doesn't help you went through a pandemic either. And rant. <laughs> and rant. Yes. No. Flat I, cap, you know? Like, yeah. You can't, Flat cap. There's no flexibility, man. And that, that's what's, they're, they're too dumb to say it. They really are. They're really dumb to say it. They're so focused on the smaller markets, they've pulled a lot of people away out of the bigger markets. And that yeah. is killing the league. Yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting to see how this uh, whole rebuild happens now that it's finally truly, truly public. 
Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Episode 137 of Orange and Back Check. I don't think I said it in the beginning of the episode. That's a weird thing for me to not do. 137, thank you as always to DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when signing up. Get a, fr- not a free, $5 pregame money line. You can win $150 if that team wins. In credits, thank you to Hockey Podcast Network as always for the official partner of the Orange and Backcheck podcast. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good socials in the links below in the description. We'll catch you next time. Salary cap can... I'd rather not say that on there.